Lord, we finish in chapter 6. We want to begin a brand new series. We'll be in this for a couple of months, so you can read through it. You can study and kind of chew on these uh, handful of verses that we will be looking at over the next couple of months. And it's called the, the Christian's Warfare, the Basic Truths. Some basic truth, basics for battle. Basics for battle. And um, um, I don't have to be all that loud, but I'm going to get loud. So just Amen. Be aware. Get ready. I'm going to get loud. Get ready. So get ready. Just, you, know, you know how it is. It's ready right. at the beginning. That's right. Once the steam engine gets rolling, it's going to be yeah. nice and That's right. good. Amen. 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 Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10. The Bible says, Finally be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, put on the whole armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's got some schemes, don't you know? He's got some strategies, you know that. He'll take you out if you let him. He'll take you out if you let him. That's it. You want to be complacent, you can be defeated. But if you want to heed what Paul is telling us, you can walk in that victory. For our struggle... Well, we wrestle, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full, the whole armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, you've got to do something. Amen? You want God's best, you have to do something. After you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in its place. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, above all, then take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish or put out all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Basics for battle. Father, speak to us. As we begin a brand new series, Father, in Jesus' name, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive. Let your word impart fresh grace and understanding to each one of us. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. This morning, we want to give an overview of this rich portion of Scripture. Every verse is a sermon all by itself. But this morning, we just want to emphasize the, the basic pillars of our warfare. The foundations for an overcoming Christian. I believe that if we can remember our four main thoughts this morning and kind of remind ourselves of these truths, especially when we're in the heat of battle, we will see a great improvement in our fight of faith. We might not be perfect, but how many you know we can improve our batting average when it comes to walking with God? We can improve that batting average walking with God. Now, this great book of Ephesians it is a very positive book. It's an uplifting book. There's really no major heresies or um, doctrinal errors that, that Paul has to really go after. He's spoken about doctrine and duty. He's talked about our riches in Christ Jesus. He's revealed the high call and the purpose of the church. He's unveiled 
our position and our possessions in the Lord. And now Paul's given instruction. He's given instruction for the personal life, for church life, for family life. But as he winds down his letter, he does it by instructing the church concerning their spiritual warfare. You, you can't separate spiritual warfare from even these other practical, so to speak, things. It's part of the world in which we live. It's a real world with a real spiritual battle going on. And as a believer, we are drawn into a conflict whether we like it or not. We can ignore it, but it doesn't change the fact there is an enemy. He wars against our soul. So Paul, as he winds down this letter, a letter that's encouraging, a letter that's uplifting, a letter that talks so much about the riches we have in Christ. He's given instruction about how the family should operate, how the church should operate, how individuals should operate. But then he stopped and finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of might. Put on the whole armor of God so you can take your stand against the strategies and attacks of the evil one. As he goes on to explain, we're not wrestling against the in-law or the ugly ball or the co-worker that doesn't love God. We are wrestling against spiritual forces of wickedness that would try to derail our walk with God, discourage our faith in God, and knock us off the righteous path of God. Somebody say amen. Now, you don't have to be saved very long to realize this Christian life, it's a battleground. It's not a playground. That's right. Amen. In fact, you will never, we cannot really enjoy and partake to the fullest of the blessings of God unless we're willing to defend them from the enemy of our souls, whose primary goal, according to Jesus, is to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's right. So the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these verses to educate our understanding and to energize our faith. Basics for battle. Foundations for the overcoming Christian. Now, simply four thoughts for effective battle. Let's give you the outline here. We're going to look at these, and these are just a summary, and then we got two months to really develop things. We're going to talk about our attitude. If we want to be effective in our Christian warfare, effective in this fight of faith, our attitude is going to make a difference. Our actions, obviously, putting on, standing firm, and praying through, those things are very important. Our ability, we have to recognize it's not our ability, it's Christ's ability in us and through us. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Can you say amen? amen. And then lastly, we see these assets, and Paul lists down the armor of God. And now we can walk in truth and walk in that peace and walk in that righteousness and see the victory. Let's begin. Number one, our attitude. Our attitude. As a child of God, we must realize that we fight from a position of victory, not for a position of victory. And this is important. You've got to start out with the right premise. If your mindset is not right to begin with, you're always going to be going one step forward, two steps backwards. So let's start it again. I have to start with the proper attitude of where I am since I believe. Who I am since I came to Jesus Christ. Number one, we fight from a position of victory, not for a position of victory. You've got to now see yourself properly and biblically now that you are a child of God. If you're here today and you've received Christ, then everything is changed. You've changed sides. You've changed positions. 
You have changed in your status and your standing. And it makes a difference or should make a difference how you see yourself now, how you see the world now. Your perspective is transformed when Jesus comes in to one's heart. So we begin starting with a victor, not a victim mentality. That's important. We're not calling 911. Let the devil do that. We're not having a Maylox moment. Let's move have the Maylox moment. But the Bible describes you and I as more than conquerors through Christ. We're not avoiding things. We're not denying things. We are going through things by the power of God. And the Bible describes you. The Bible describes me as more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. And even though we go through the battle, we face the trials, we can face every one of them with this truth secure in our hearts. We are more than conquerors. We're not the victims. We are the victors because greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. Now, one man said it like this. One writer said, attitude determines altitude. And it's important if you're going to be successful and victorious in your Christian walk, to have an accurate and a proper spiritual attitude. If not, you give place to the enemy. If not, it's hard to properly apply the promises and the riches of this salvation. When we face trials in life, we face them knowing the victory's already won. Jesus has defeated the enemy of our souls. And now as we walk through life, the mountaintops and the valleys, we go through them with the certainty and the assurance in our hearts. I love the so many promises that encourage us about this. There's so many strength-building promises in God's Word. Let me give you one that maybe we don't look at a lot because it's in the Old Testament. But, but um, Deuteronomy 9 and 3. Deuteronomy 9 and 3. And, and it's a beautiful promise here. It's a beautiful promise where Moses writes, Be assured this day that the Lord your God is the one that goes before you like a devouring fire. Can't you, you just, I mean, I just love the imagery of that. Moses says, listen, as you're walking through life and there's enemies that are going to try to take you out, there's deceivers that are going to try to sway your understanding, but know you this day that the Lord your God, He goes before you in the imagery of consuming fire. Man, when I read that, I want to say, lead on, lead on, go ahead, Lord. I'm following after you. If you're following the Lord Jesus, one of the pictures of Him leading your life is a consuming, devouring fire that goes before you to deal with your enemies, to make a way where there seems to be no way, to make those crooked places straight and the rough places move. Go ahead and walk tomorrow with a complete confidence and assurance that the Lord your God, He orders your steps, He goes before you, and the battle is the Lord. Somebody is praying. Amen. The Bible tells us Jesus has won the victory. We're not waiting for him to win it. He's won the victory. Amen. No takers. First John 3 and 8. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose, the Son of God appeared. He came to earth that he might destroy the works of the devil. How many know this morning Jesus accomplished his purpose? How many know this morning his mission was a success? On the cross of Calvary, he cried, he is finished. Oh, that Easter morning, the angel declared, he's alive, he's alive. He's defeated, hell in the grave. Jesus. 
finished the work the Father sent him to do. In his life, he destroyed the works of the devil. Peter tells us in Acts 10 and 38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, how he went about doing good, healing all who were under the power or oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. In his life, he went about destroying the devil's work on the cross and in his death. You know the story as demons cheered and men mocked. Yet what they did not understand, it was all part of the Father's plan. It was all leading to the Son's ultimate triumph and victory. On the cross, Hebrews 2 and 14, it says by Jesus' death, He destroyed the one that had the power of death. He destroyed the devil. It gives you and I this day a freedom from the fear of death. If you're a child of God, there is no more fear of death. Jesus has defeated death. And these that walk with him have the victory even over death. The Bible says on the cross, Colossians 2 and 15, that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. On the cross, he was defeating them. On the cross, he was overthrowing them. On the cross, he was nullifying them. Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through the cross. The cross was not a, a, a tragedy. The cross was heaven's victory. On the cross, Jesus disarmed powers and principalities. The same thing Paul says we fight today. He's already defeated yesterday. The battle's won. We just walk in it now. We just enforce it now. We just take yes. it. Now. Amen. Amen. Jesus won the victory, but it doesn't stop there. The Bible tells us that Jesus has now given us the victory. If you belong to Him. To those that have come to Christ in faith and surrender. Listen, friend, you're on the winning side. Tell the person next to you, you're on the winning side now. You see, Christ has won it, but they don't stop there. He gives you and I the victory. That's right. I think 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, you know, Paul is writing about the sting of sin, the sting of death, and how it's been swallowed up in Jesus' glorious resurrection. And then Paul, sometimes he would digress and just kind of in his letters burst out into a praise. He, he burst forth in this verbal um, jubilation and celebration. And he writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, Jesus won the victory on the cross. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. But it doesn't stop there. Then he gives his followers that same victory so you and I can walk in the assurance and in the confidence, in the certainty, in the expectancy that we're going to win, that death's been defeated, that every step we take, we do not take it alone, but the one that purchased us through his blood walks with us every step of the way like a roaring fire. He goes before us like a loving shepherd. His care and his compassion are all over us, and you can walk in complete victory. Whatever you are facing, the devil is a liar. God has a promise for you. He'll never leave. Over the evil. That's right. 
to overcome all the power of the devil, and nothing mm -hmm. shall by any means harm you. That's right. Because I entrusted you. Mm -hmm. Oh, what a beautiful thought. That's why, as children of God, we have the assurance that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We have the assurance that we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength we need to meet every demand that life throws against us. We can have a complete confidence that greater is the spirit of God within us than any spiritual force of evil that we'll ever have to face or deal with in this world. Oh, if you're a child of God, you are now a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And the same spirit that raised Jesus up, that power is within thee. And you can walk in that confidently knowing whatever I face, God's Strength is adequate for the task. And where is that strength? It's in you that believe. It's in you that receive Christ. So you can face whatever you've got to face. And recognize that my strength goes weak. His strength is small. If my strength has a limit, his is limitless. That's right. That should affect our thinking. Amen. That's right. It's good to go into something. No, it's fixed. Amen. It's all fixed. That's all. Amen. Over. Jesus already won. Amen. What what the worst the world can do. To send us home into the presence of the Lord. That's the worst. That's, right. That's, right. That's the worst. That's the worst. That's pretty good. That's all right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Amen. It's important to know and believe this. Christ has won the victory. And then he's given you the victory. Amen. And you can walk in the victory. And you can exercise that authority. You can expect that triumph in your life. To have the right spiritual attitude is very important if one wants to be a consistent and overcoming child of God. It reminds me of that story Billy Graham would tell about um, Albert Einstein on a train. Kind of a funny story. Dr. Graham would say how one time um, Albert Einstein was going on a train to some out-of-town engagement and the conductor stopped by to punch the ticket. The great scientist was preoccupied in his work and in thought, so kind of embarrassment he started rummaged through his pockets and checked in his briefcase, no avail, he could not find his ticket. The conductor said, well, we know who you are, Dr. Einstein, so don't worry about it, I know you wouldn't cheat us, I'm sure you bought your ticket, everything's okay. The conductor went out punching other tickets. Well, right before the conductor is ready to go to the next car, he looks back and he sees Albert Einstein on his hands and knees looking under his seat, looking all over, and he comes back and kind of feels embarrassed. This prominent man's on the train, and, and so he goes, please, Dr. Einstein, uh, like I said, he kind of whispered, he says, don't worry about it, I know who you are. Einstein looked up and he says, I too know who I am, but what I don't know is where I'm going. <laughs> I don't know where to get off. <laughs> you know, as a child of God, I thought about that. When you know Jesus, you know who you are, you know where you're going. Can you say amen? When you are a child of God, you should know what that means to be right with God, to be a of God, to have the power of God, and the promises of God, and the assurances of God. And if you really know that, it should affect how you live life, how you respond to life, how you walk in life. Come on, say amen. Oh, yeah, you know it's right. In the natural, when that bank account's full, you sleep better at night. Come on, say amen. Say ouch. When things are tight, you got ulcers. Amen. God's still God. I don't know why you worry about the ulcers. That's right. If he's going to supply the need or not. Amen. If he's still on the throne, then shout and sing and get a midnight sleep. If he's not on that throne, then we're all on it. That's true. That's true. Amen. That's right. Is he our shepherd or not? Yes, amen. He is. 
Does he lie or not? No, he don't lie or nothing. Then don't worry about it. That's right. That's right. You're no grasshopper. See, this is so important. This is why is it important to have a mental attitude, spiritually speaking? Because if you really believe the truth of the gospel, it will affect how you look at life That's true. and how you face life. And it should. That's true. And it should. That's true. And it should. That's true. It's so important because we know where we're going. Amen. We know what Christ has done. Amen. Therefore, our attitude as we walk through life, the good, the bad, the ugly, as we walk through life, is one of confidence in Him, certainty in Him, expectation, victory in Jesus, because of Jesus. This should greatly affect our life and our attitude, our perspective, our focus. It's important to start right here. Because one of the reasons it's important to have a proper perspective and a proper attitude is because the enemy of our soul knows everything we just taught. He believes it more than a lot of Christians do. He knows Jesus has defeated him. Remember when Jesus disarmed him publicly. It was a spiritually public thing. It's, it's, the enemy knows he was defeated on the cross of God. The enemy knows when he rose again, it's over. He knows that. He knows that he's given you and I power to walk in his name, to pray in his name, to resist the enemy in his name. He knows that. But he don't want you to know that. That's true. That's true. You don't mind if you, you can't keep you from going to heaven. He just wants to make you miserable now on earth. That's true. And if he can't get you to really believe the truth of what happened on Calvary and how that affects your life, it won't change how you live. It won't change how you believe. It won't change how you expect. The enemy of our soul, he tries to belittle. He's got schemes and strategies to defeat us, to, to bring us down and knock us off course. He tries to discourage the child of God. He tries to intimidate us and, and accuse us. He'll try to inflict us with a grasshopper mentality. If you let him. Kind of sounds like this. I'm just too weak or too small. I'm too young or too old. I'm just not able. I just can't handle it anymore. I tried and I failed. The problem is too much. It's, the promises won't work for me. I'll never be able to really become that strong Christian. Grasshopper talk. That's true. That's true. That's the language of the timid and the downcast. That's not the speech of the conqueror and the overcomer. That's right. Now, just so you don't think I'm making this up, because I can't make up words from time to time, just so you know I'm not making this up, this grasshopper mentality, you can find it in your Bibles. Right. Numbers chapter 13 and 14, chapter 13 and 14, you see that term is used in the Bible. God's people were delivered mightily from Egypt. Everyone remembers that story, the Red Sea and the plagues. As they're led out of Egypt, they are led right to the border of the promised land. Here it is. After all the miraculous signs and wonders and demonstration of power that God did, all they had to do is go in and taste right. Well, they send out 12 spies to bring back an intelligence report about the land. Check out the people, the produce, the fortification. For 40 days, leaders from the tribes went. 12 men went and did this. They looked, they observed, they tasted the land God had promised them. And when they returned, all the people gathered to hear the report. Well, it started out good. They said, oh, man, that land is pretty wonderful. I mean, it is flowing with milk and honey. I mean, they got grapes the size of a man's fist. Woo! I mean, this is good. But you always got to look out for those doubtful bucks. Amen. But the 
people are powerful. The cities are fortified. We saw some giants there. We can't do it. They're too strong. In fact, we seem like grasshoppers in their sight and in our sight. We're not able. They talk themselves out of the great blessing and promise that God was willing and desiring to give to them. How many come to the border of the promise and turn back because they see a giant and they get too caught up in the natural things and lose sight of the greatness and power and the mightiness of their God? How great is your God? How great is our God? I'll tell you one thing. He's greater than anything you're facing. He's greater than anything that's challenging you. He's greater than anything you'll ever need, either here or in eternity. He's a great God. He's the Almighty God. God, and he's your heavenly father. That's right. Now here's the story. Ten men surrendered to a grasshopper mentality. And they allowed natural circumstances to eclipse their faith and to violate their courage. And the Bible says, and, and, and Joshua when it talks about this story, it melted the hearts of an entire nation. And the people cried out and said, we're going to turn back. That's right. Somebody listen, don't turn back. Amen, brother. Somebody please, in the name of the Lord Jesus, yes, don't turn Lord. back. Yes, Everybody's messed up before. Just get forgiveness, yes. get back on track, but don't turn back. Amen. Everyone yes, has been a failure at one time and missed the mark. Get yes, back Lord. up. Ask God to get you on track, but do not turn back. Get back Amen. Everyone faces a hard season. Everyone. Knows what it is to deal with things and feel like we missed the mark. But oh, God is full of mercy yes, and compassion. Make things right, but don't turn back. Yes, don't give up on God and don't give up on yourself. He is a restorer. Yes. He is a rebuilder. Yes, he is a reviver. But oh, that grasshopper mentality. It causes men to turn back. It, it blinds us of God's greatness. It blinds us of Jesus' accomplishment. And it causes us to magnify the mountain rather than the master. It's what keeps men from advancing and achieving and accomplishing and apprehending things in the Lord. But there were two men of faith in that story. It's a wonderful story. May the people of faith rise up and be strong. May the people of faith rise up and be bold in this generation. May the people of faith not listen to the naysayers and the doubters and the defeated pessimists. May the people of faith rise up and be bold and go forward in the name of the Lord. Amen. Don't be intimidated by what you see. Don't turn back yes. because of what you hear. Yes. Be strong in Amen. the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God and march forward yes. into your victory. He's got victory for you every step of the way. Amen. The men of faith, Joshua and Caleb. Oh, Caleb! Amen. Required of the people. It's amazing. You can get 12 church folks looking at the same thing. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. That's right. That's true. I had a mentor of mine said there's more doubt and unbelief in the church than in the racetrack. <laughs> he said, so they got the racetrack, he loses, he gets back on the next line, put another one down, but no, you don't give up. Mm -hmm. In the church, we tried it once, we've we given up. 
We prayed that prayer once. Must not be God's will. Keep on praying. Joshua and Caleb, oh, some of my favorites. Oh yeah. They said, let us go up at once Amen. and possess the land. Oh, they said, for we are able. Yes, I don't know about you, but my God is able, Amen. therefore I am able. Amen. We are able to go up and take the country, yes. possess the land from Jordan. Amen. And see, giants may be there our way to hinder, but God has given us the victory. Amen. To remember, we are able because it's not us, it's God. That's right. There's no time for grasshopper talk or grasshopper mentality. But we have a present job to do. We have some present promises to possess. We have lives to touch. We have victories to embrace. Now is the hour to rise up and do what God has called you to do. Not shrinking back because of what you see in the natural, but beholding the greatness of your God and trusting Him to bring His word to pass. Trusting Him to anoint your hands to do what God has given you to do. You can do that path. You can accomplish that thing. You can possess that promise. But you've got to believe and you've got to understand the victory's been won. The strength doesn't come from us. It comes from Him. But if we'll trust the Lord and obey the Lord, we will see the victory of the Lord. The attitude of faith focuses not on how big the problem is, but how big my God is. Joshua and Caleb, they knew we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Let us go up at once and possess it. It reminds me of another story from that Old Testament. When Joshua goes to fight the battle of Jericho. Everyone's heard of that. We used to sing about that in grade school. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. But if you notice something interesting, when God meets with Joshua the night before, he says, I have given you the city. That's true. He says, I have given. Walls are still up. I have given you the city. Mm-hmm. You see, faith, faith believes. That's true. Faith is seen in a different realm. Mm-hmm. See, the doubter, until I see it, that's not how God works. That's not. He said, you got to believe it, then you're going to see it. Attitude of faith. This is where you and I realize Jesus Christ has won the victory, and we're with Christ. Therefore, we fight from position of victory, not for position of victory. He won the victory. He's given it to you and I. Hallelujah. And now the victory is won, and we live it out in this world. We put it to work. We enforce that victory. We lay claim to that promise. This includes battle. This includes the fighting the good fight of faith. This includes putting on, standing firm, and praying through. This includes putting on the armor of God, putting on godly characteristics. It includes standing firm, standing for Christ, standing against that which is not of Christ. And calls for praying through, having prayed all, continue to pray. Number one, we talked about the attitude. Number two, here's the action. This is the response. This is the call to fight. If you'll notice here in verses 11 and 13 and 14, he says, put on the full arm. Put on. That's action. Put on. The full armor of God. So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 13, therefore put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you're able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, you've got to do something. To stand. Stand firm there. Four times stand. 
After I have a proper attitude, I've got to realize that on this side of eternity, I have to enforce that victory. I have to demand that victory against an enemy that wants to keep it from me. And I have to use my faith to walk it out. We have to stir ourselves up and make up our minds. When trouble comes, when the enemy attacks, we're not going to be passive and just lay down whatever will be will be. Again, that's not the talk of faith. That's not the verbiage of the overcomer. But we must, according to Ephesians 6, put on, stand firm, and pray through. I'm going to put on the characteristics of God, the truth, and the righteousness, and, and the peace, and that shield of faith. I'm going to use that sword of the Spirit. I'm going to put on that helmet of salvation that gives me a hope. And as I look at life, and as I see through the situations I walk through in life, I put on, and I stand firm. I stand for Christ. I stand against that which is not Christ. Amen. And I pray always, with all prayers in the Spirit, this tells us that God is expecting something from us. He's expecting some kind of spiritual effort and obedience and action. He's asking for a real commitment to Christ. A real commitment to Jesus Christ includes an active faith, an obedient faith, a doing faith. One of my favorite Old Testament minor characters, so I call it that, is a man by the name of Shammah. Shammah was one of King David's mighty men. And if you go to um, 2 Samuel 23, it's just a few verses you read his story. But it's a wonderful picture of uh, standing firm and standing against and holding your ground. But the Paul saying here is using a military term. Stand firm. Stand your ground. Hold your position. That's true. So I've got to have the right attitude. And this attitude is based on the truth of God's word. We're not just making up something. This is not a self-help magazine. But I'm going to believe what God has said to believe. Amen? I'm going to believe Jesus has won the victory. I'm going to believe greater is he that's within me. I'm going to believe the word of God is true. I'm going to walk in that. I've got a God that watches over me. I've got a Lord that is my shepherd. He's faithful and true. Amen? All right. So I've got the attitude. But now I've got to have the action. i got to have the action. And Paul says, which is the call to fight? Put on and stand firm. The Philistines attacked the Israelites. And everyone else fled. It's amazing. One minute you stand there and everyone took off except Shammah. Except Shammah. The Bible says he stood his ground. Good picture standing firm having done all the stand. He stood his ground in the middle of a lentil field. I think that's a pea patch. That's right. Yep. And he defended it all by himself. And he struck down the Philistines. And the Lord brought out a great victory. And one translation kind of puts it, he stood and God gave a victory. He stood and God gave a victory. And that's a picture of Paul is saying. You need to stand and God will give the victory. Here's Shammah. He refused to surrender his inheritance in the Lord. Friends, fight for your inheritance in the Lord. Fight for your victory in the Lord sacrifice and be willing to defend and do what you must do for the welfare of your blessing, the welfare of your inheritance, and the Lord for your children, for your marriage, for your ministry, for your testimony, for your healing, for your peace, for your prosperity, for your relationship and walk with God. Stand firm. Don't be moved even though it seems like the enemy is overwhelming. Greater is he that's within you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? That's 
And like Shammah, he took his stand. Paul said, take his stand. As you walk through this life, there are going to be many doctrines and many lies and temptations and intimidations that are going to get you to give up and back up and give ground to the enemy. Don't you do that. you got a proper attitude. Now have a proper action. Stand firm in the power of God. Refuse to be moved from the place God has put you. Whatever your blessing is, fight for your blessing. Fight for your inheritance. Stand firm and pray over those children. Stand firm and don't let the devil derail that marriage. Stand firm and walk out and enter into your ministry. Don't just dream about it for 30 years. Enter in and embrace it for the glory of God Almighty. Oh, the thief coming to steal, kill, and to destroy. But you can put on the armor of God. You can stand in the strength of God and you can see the victory of God in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. The land was a gift of God for Shop. Therefore, he wasn't going to lay down and just let the enemy walk in and take it. Some of you all prayed. You learned to pray. And those children under attack, you learned to pray. That's right. Amen. Paul said here, choose to stand and watch God give a victory. Don't compromise, stand firm for what is right and what is proper and what is pure. Amen. For if you'll stand with me, God says, if you'll stand for me, I'll stand with you. Mm-hmm. If you'll stand for me, you can overcome your enemy. James 4 and 7 gives us another interesting verse that kind of supports what Paul is talking about. Paul says, number one, we're going to have the right attitude. We have to realize Christ has defeated death out of the grave and we belong to Jesus. Amen? Therefore, we're walking in the victory. He's given us his spirit. He's given us his promise. He's given us his power. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost you have power to walk this out. You can overcome that thing. You can prevail in that situation. Amen? But there's something that we have to do. We don't just sing about it. We don't just kumbaya about it. We have to put some action to our verbiage. We have to put an action to our confession. We put on the armor of God and we take our stand against the enemy and for the Jesus that we love. And here James gives us another kind of the same thing. He's encouraging us to take our stand. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Who? He'll flee from you. You mean you don't got to get the Pope, the Pope or the Bishop to do this? He'll flee from you? You with me? Huh? Who will he flee from? But you didn't go to Bible school. You don't know Greek. You don't know Italian. That's right. All you got to know is Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Amen. Gotta make sure you're submitted to God. That's right. You can't be living like hell and expect to run hell off. Isn't that right? That's true. I mean, you give place to the devil, don't need to laugh at it. But if you're submitted to God, that's true. If you're living right, Amen. then you can be calm. Resist that devil. Mm-hmm. And he's got to flee from you. Why? Because Jesus is in you. The Spirit of God is upon you. Woo! Glory be to God. Amen. How do we resist him? Well, Paul's emphasized prayer in our few verses. Prayer, pray, always pray. In the spirit, all kinds of prayer. One of the most important weapons you and I have in the spiritual warfare is prayer. Faithful prayer to God. Amen? Not so much yelling at the devil, but calling out to God. 
That's true. You resist the enemy's advances against your life and your family by faithful praying and calling on God and asking God and interceding. But also, one of the ways we resist is not only by our praying, but by our believing and our trusting the Word of God. Most are familiar with Jesus was being tempted. It is written. It is written. It is written. Well, he resisted to resist. He pushed away the enemy. You see, you can live in a way where you embrace the enemy. Where you give place to the enemy. Or you can live in a way that pushes away. Blocks. Resist the enemy. Resist the enemy. You see? Our prayers resist the enemy. Trusting and believing the word of God pushes away the enemy. That's what Jesus did. That's right. The enemy came with the temptation. It is written. And he said, I believe God. I trust the word of God. Mm -hmm. I declare the word of God. And that voice. Nope. Prayer, believing, trusting the word. And then applying the word. Applying the word. Being a doer of the word. Not just admiring the word. Not just being able to quote the word. Some quoting got all the stickers. But you got to do the word. That's true. Be a doer of the word. You know, coming to church is doing the word. And that's resisting the enemy. Oh, it's resisting the enemy from your family. It's pushing away the enemy from those things that are dear to you. Oh, yes it is. It's coming to church. It's making the changes in your life. It's after hearing something, you apply it to your life. And that's, you give no place. You're closing that window. You're resisting. You're standing firm against because you believe in God. We put on. We withstand. We pray through. This is how we firmly overcome the enemy of our souls. God has called us to take a stand. Four times in these two verses. Stand. Haven't done all to stand. Stand firm. And it's a military command. And it basically means hold your ground. Keep your position. Don't back up when the tempter comes. Don't back up when the intimidator comes. Stand firm. Protect your inheritance. Continue forward in the victory of God. And we know it's not always a popular thing. It's not always an easy thing to take a stand for righteousness. When the world we live in is so upside down and morally confused and crazy. And sometimes you don't make friends when you stand for righteousness. But he says, stand, 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 stand. Without apology, without excuse, stand for what is right. Stand for what is proper. Stand for what is biblical. Stand for what honors the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Regardless of what happens, let it be. That's true. It's not always popular and easy to stand. That's right. We cheer about it, but when you got to draw the line in the sand in your private and personal life, that's where the battle lies. That's where the battle We can sing about it, but when we get to that place, that we got to say, no, 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 no. I can't be moved from this place of obedience. That's right. To move from here would be disobeying God. That's right. It's not always easy or popular to stand for righteousness, to stand for what is good and godly and pure and Christ exalted. And it's not always easy to stand against. What is wrong in the sight of God? What is unacceptable as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? We don't got to damn them, but we don't need to be timid either. And just say, you know what, I serve Jesus. And he doesn't appreciate this, so I don't live this way. That's true. We serve Jesus. 
And that wouldn't be honoring him in our house if we allowed that to come in our house. It makes it, if you're a believer, you ought to change the way you live. If you're a believer, you're going to have to make a stand and everyone's not going to be happy with it because everyone's not living for Christ. That's true. Put on the whole armor of God and take a stand. That's true. I'm going to stand for. I'm going to stand against. That's right. That's true. Let us remember that real and lasting spiritual victory, real consistent progress in the Christian life will only come. This thing can't be your hobby. Coming to Jesus, the whole heart is surrender. It right. can't be a hobby. That's right. It just can't be something you do because it's a cultural thing. No. It has to be something personal that you've given your life That's to Jesus right. Christ. That's true. That you're seeking him first and you're wholeheartedly devoted. You're born yeah. from above. Yeah. Now a real, lasting, spiritual consistency, progress, victory will only come to the person that sincerely and wholeheartedly is committed to Jesus Christ. This is where it starts. i got to stand for Christ before I have any strength to stand against hell. James kind of said that. He says, first got to submit to God. Then I've got the strength to resist the devil. The first thing I need to do is make a firm commitment to the Lord. And then from there, I'll have all the strength I need to deal with whatever i got to deal with. But Christ must be first. We're not talking perfection. But we're all talking direction and devotion. Not talking perfection. We never get there. But we're talking the direction of my life lives in the devotion of the heart. I'm reminded of a story about that famous missionary of Africa, Dr. David Livingston. One time when he was in Africa, a group of friends wrote to him. And they said, we would like to send some men out to you to help you in the work. Have you found a good road into your area yet? He's out in the darkest Africa and a long time ago. According to one of the members of his family, Dr. Livingston sent the message back, if you have men who will only come if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there's no road at all. That's right. <laughs> he wants Christian committed men. That's right. Sold out people. That's where victory starts. That's true. One of the biggest reasons people don't have real victory in their spiritual lives is that God's a hobby. He's not first place in their life. You show me someone that really puts a first, and I'll show you an overcomer. That's right. Amen. You can't be an overcomer playing games That's with this right. stuff. Amen. That's true. That is true. That's true. I listen to an old tape. Bears repeating. Some things are not a mystery. You're not a mystery why some people backslide every two weeks. Nope. They didn't front slide enough. Amen. That's I'm just going to go somewhere. That's right. That Isn't true. that right? That is true. I mean, it's just not, I mean, don't, let's not, let's not be careless to call it what it is. That's right. Isn't that right? That's true. You know, I got the cholesterol clogging up every heart. You can't be eating those double quarter pounders of cheese at midnight every night. Amen? That's right. That can't be part of your devotional time. Isn't that right? right? I mean, that's I just true. can't be. I mean, some things are not a mystery. That is true. That is I'll true. tell you, first step, if you really want to have Christian victory, is making Jesus Lord. That's right. Give him a first place that's in your right. life. And being committed to Christ. That's right, amen. Not, not fancy. It's simple, but it's sincere. That's true. That's true. I was thinking about that story of Dr. Livingston. I was reminded of that very familiar verse that we all, most of us know from the book of Revelation. Revelation 12 and 11. 
where it's talking about the overcoming end time church and the believers that overcame the enemy. Do you remember what it says? Um, Revelation 12 and 11. And it says, and they overcame him. They overcame the devil. The overcoming church. If you want to be an overcomer, here's three characteristics, three descriptions. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, by loving not their lives. He's an unsuspecting Christian commitment right there. That means business with God right there. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. If we're going to overcome, we've got to understand the power of that blood, the victory in that cross. We've got to be a people that have faith and understanding in the triumph of Calvary. They overcame the devil because they understood the power of the blood and the victory of the cross. Number one, we got to understand that blood. You know that seeker-friendly nonsense that attacked the church those last 20, 30 years? They would actually take songs out of the singing that had anything with the blood. No wonder why that mess fell apart. No wonder why that mess people have backs with more tears than there were. No wonder why. You can't take the cross out of anything unless you want disaster. That's right, amen. We're going to overcome. We've got to understand the power of the blood. Amen. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. Demons tremble. Amen. The sound of the name amen. and the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, amen. They overcame because they understood the power of the blood of Jesus. Yes, amen. And the victory of the cross of Christ. They overcame by the word of their testimony. Yes, that means they weren't ashamed yes, to let this world know we belong amen. to Christ. We serve Christ. Our allegiance and devotion goes to Jesus Christ. First and foremost, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. If you're going to be an overcomer, you've got to be bold about declaring who you belong to, who you're serving, and your commitment belongs to Christ. You overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. On a hill far away, it's an old rugged cross. Yes. After we suffer in shame. That that old cross, the dearest and best, for where lost sinners were slain. Now cherish an old rugged cross. Yes, amen. So despised by the world mm-hmm. as a wondrous yeah. attraction That's right. to me. Remember that line? Yeah. Old rugged cross, yeah. so despised by the world and the natural church That's as right. a wondrous yes. Attraction. That's right. Amen. Oh, we love singing about the cross. Amen. We get weepy when we talk talking about the blood. Are you with me? Yes. You're gonna be an overcomer. You gotta understand what happened on Calvary. You gotta understand Calvary was not a tragedy. It was a victory. And if you walk with God, you can walk in that victory. Glory be to God. Number two, they they weren't ashamed to say we belong to Christ. They weren't ashamed to say we're Christians. Jesus said, "If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you." Didn't Jesus say that? You want to be an overcomer, be bold in your faith. Amen. I don't mean you got to be rude or abrasive, but be bold. Lift up right. Jesus. Amen. Yes, He's worthy. Isn't He worthy? Yes, He is. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Okay. Blood of the Lamb, word of their testimony, and loving not their lives, even unto death. That's commitment. That's a wholehearted commitment. See, the old overcomer says, I totally belong to Jesus. Right. I'm not budging for nothing. I'm His. Amen. You can't mess with that person right there. Amen. You can't mess with that person. <laughs> I listened to an old man of God, his brother Clendenin. He's been with the Lord about a decade now. I still got hundreds of his tapes. I listened to brother Clendenin, and he's preaching about the old timers, the founders of Pentecost. 
and I talk, so when he starts talking about old people, you know he's going old, all right? But I mean, so he's talking about those founders. He's going back in the turn of the century. I mean, the 19th century, the 1900s, all right? And he says, I, now, I know they were extreme. They were extreme. He said, they preset wedding ring off your finger. He said, you better wear one today. It's a wicked world. I mean, they, they, pre they preach against everything. You name it. <laughs> and he made a statement. He says, back in those days, early ones, they wouldn't join a church. They thought it was a sign of the beast. Mark of the beast. I said, because they were extreme. I know they were off a little bit. He says, well, I'll tell you one thing. No beast would mark that group. <laughs> That's true. Oh, yeah. I said, yeah, you got a point there. That's true. Right. He said, you know, back in those days, they might have missed it a bit, and they might have been extreme, but they did it because they thought that would please God. That's Nowadays, right. we take the whole thing the whole other direction. It's all about what can please self. Come on, say right. amen. We, we water it all down. What can make self happy? Yeah, what can make self content? Right. At least back then, they might have missed it. They might have been extreme. We might shake our heads. Those of us of the present generation, you got to be kidding me. But but at least they were doing it because they loved God. That's right. Yes, they were. Amen. Yes, amen. And they were willing to be a little odd, a little extreme. If they thought it meant pleasing God. That's true. That's true. As opposed to a present age. Tell me how little I can do and still get into heaven. That's true. That is true. And if the government says it's okay, can I do this sin now? That no, no, it's not acceptable unless that book got changed. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm winding down. Don't get nervous. Yes. Oh, glory to God. Yes, Lord. Preach it. It's true. The overcoming Christian starts with an attitude, the proper biblical attitude and perspective of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the victory is given to those that follow him and serve him, that we can walk confidently and with a security and a certainty in his life. That we can be believers, not doubters. That we can be overcomers, not succumbers. That we can toss aside all kinds of um, grasshopper mentality and have that more than conquer in Christ mentality. But we understand it's not just a mentality, there's an action and an obedience that goes with our lives. And Paul says we've got to put on, put on. That means we've got to live out. We've got to exercise righteousness and truth and the peace of the gospel. You see? And so that I got and I gotta stand for Christ. First way I stand for Christ is by giving myself completely to Christ. That's the first time. Just giving myself and surrender. I'm yours. I'm yours. And as I submit myself to God. I'll have all the strength I need to resist the enemy right. and to hold my ground and guard my inheritance and to do what God's called me. The ability is very simple. We'll touch on it next week. Be, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's right. Oh, it's a beautiful thought. Receive God's strength. God's strength is available to you. It's not our strength. It's not our willpower. It's the strength of God. But you and I can tap into it. Be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. Amen. Every resource you need to live a victorious Christian life is found in Christ. Amen. And it's available to the sincere believer. Amen. He's not holding anything back. He'll give you all that you need to live this life. Attitude. Action. Ability. And then all those assets, we're going to touch on each one of them. We're going to look at truth and righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, the helmet of salvation. We'll look at the sword of the Spirit. 
Amen. I'm going to talk about prayer. Praying through and believing God. Very simply, very simply. Basics for battle. Attitude, action, ability, and our assets. As we have our final prayer and our final song, let's um, give God praise for the victory we have in Jesus Christ. We will, I think we're part of it, overcomers. Amen? Let's give him praise for the power of that blood. Let's give him praise and let's be bold in our declaration of our love for Christ and our commitment to Christ. And let's give God praise for that victory. Would you stand with me as we pray? If you're here today and you've never made a real commitment to Christ, kind of wavering, kind of hesitating, today's a great day to say, Lord Jesus, no more game playing. I'm going to get serious about serving you. And I'm no longer going to be ashamed about letting my world know I'm a Christian Amen. and I'm walking in obedience to the Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. If you're here today, maybe you feel a little weary. Yes. The battle is raging and you need some strength to defend your inheritance. Well, you need some prayer. Pastor Todd's here. He'll pray with you. And